This will be a pretty familiar passage for most of you. And uh, I hope to just shed some light on some things in this text. So Luke 24, starting in verse 13. Uh, I am reading today from the NIV, and uh, we'll go down to verse 24. All right. Are we still having computer trouble? There we go. Okay. So, bear with us if we have computer trouble. Always a good reason to bring your Bible Um, just in case, right? Anyway, verse 13. Now, the same day, two of them, speaking of disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And, that, and what is more is that it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us, that they had seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. How do you see Jesus? So often our view of him is colored by our circumstances. We hear it in this text, we hear them talk about, you know, don't you know what's happened? And, and they're talking about how great Jesus was, and he was, you know, a man who was mighty in word and deed before God and men. And then they say this incredible thing, they say, and we had hoped. You know, a couple of weeks ago, when we had really, we had an interesting service on uh, on 9-11, God was really moving in a very powerful way, and we didn't really get to, to preach much. I kind of gave just a little thought. And I talked about how Mary, Mary was the first one that saw Jesus alive, and, and she sees him outside the tomb, and, and she approaches him thinking that he's a gardener. And she says to him, if you know where they have laid my master, please tell me. And Jesus simply looks toward her and says, Mary. And she says, teacher? She's, she's shocked because, 
And we talked about this on 9-11. We said that, that she could not see Jesus because she could not see him through her pain. Literally, her expectation was he's dead. And, you know, since eternity, uh, there's only been one that died and rose and has never died again. There's been other people who've been resurrected, but there's only been one who continues to live. One who has eternal life from the moment that God resurrected him. Because the, the Bible says that the grave could not hold him. He was the one who conquered death and, and conquered the grave and, and brought to us the potential for eternal life. And all of this was completely new. It's a new concept for Mary at that moment. And it was a new concept for the believers here as we read this story. And there are times that, that in our lives that our experience with God goes into trouble. Has anyone other than me had like your faith on life support? Right? Anybody been there other than the preacher? Where literally faith was a breath away from not being there. The struggles of the moment had caused for me to be so beat down. And for others, evidently, for those of you brave enough to raise your hands, um, and for those of you who didn't and truly haven't experienced it yet, you might want to get ready. Because it seems that everybody goes through that place where, where it's just a struggle. Where you're, you're not even sure where you really are. You're not sure exactly. You hope you believe. <laughs> you believe you believe, but man, you're, you know that it's hard. And sometimes we just, just we're holding on to faith with just the thread. And we've got to understand that, that that's not something that is atypical. But we need to also understand that this, this place, this place of darkness where you can't see him for who he is and, and for where he is right in front of you, this is just something that you need to, to move past to be able to step into a new revelation of who God is. What's amazing is that these moments of darkness, these moments of struggle and of trial and temptation and fear, those moments when you don't know if you can actually hold on, and you do anyway, those moments can become doorways into brand new places in God where you become enamored with him anew and you catch the vision of not just who he was to you, but who he is and who he's going to become. This opportunity that you have in the midst of your trial can be the very thing that instead of taking you into darkness and depths of fear and doubt can bring you into revelations of the glory of God in your life like you've never known before. But you have got to choose to hold on and keep walking. What I want you to understand today is I'm going to give you a pattern. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you literally, I think, an answer 
that maybe is going to help some of you. Talk about the road to Revelation. That there's literally, and we see it in a picture here to the road to Emmaus. Um, it's a picture of, of God taking people from the struggle of temptation and trial into the revelation of who he really is. We need to see him not only again as alive, but also as the victorious king who conquered death, who reigns all, and who's our God, our friend, our redeemer, our rock, our savior, our Messiah. We need to see him as ours. So today, let's talk about it. So the first thing I would say, number one, the first thing that happens here is you confess where you are. Now, there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians, some of you may be in this room, who have, uh, have been spending your lives lying. Uh, some of us call it speaking faith. But I would say that oftentimes we're just not really confessing what needs to be. You have to, hear this, this is important. You have to confess and come to grips with what's really going on. It is not enough to just simply say and deny what is happening. You have got to confess what is happening. Luke 24, 13 through 24, which we just read, is, is these two disciples trying to process with each other and then with Jesus, who they don't know yet is Jesus, they're trying to process what has happened. They're talking about all the things that have gone on that, man, can you believe it? I mean, I remember the day when he raised Lazarus from the dead. It was just a week ago. And, and, and now he's dead. And we, what's going to happen now? And we, all of our hopes were in him. He was to be the Messiah. He's to be the king of Israel. He's going to redeem us from Rome. And now what? And they're, they're processing. They're talking about where they really are. I want you to understand that it is not just something that is just isolated here. Because I know that all you folks who just speak faith are like battling me in your mind right now. Let me just kill that thing right now. This is David's pattern. Anybody remember King David? Anybody remember like he's a man after God's own heart? He's, he's all this amazing stuff. He's also the conquering king of Israel. He's, he's a picture of Jesus a thousand years before he shows up. And yet David, in his Psalms, often confessed how bad it was. He did this all the time. Read your Psalms. If you don't think he did, then you're not reading your Bible. Read the Psalms. I just picked one. Psalm 6, 3 through 9. Listen to David speak. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who raises you, who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. I, all night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch 
with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. I want you to see what David does. David, David talks about where he is. He doesn't say, I don't have any fear. I don't have any foes. It's all good. He says, no, I can't sleep at night. I'm in bed crying. My pillows are soaked because of how many tears I'm, I'm, I'm crying right now. I'm overwhelmed. Lord, how long will it be before you hear me? Anyone ever had that prayer with Jesus? <laughs> That's always a fun one. Are you kidding me? It's like that song a few years ago. My wife and I were going through several years of pain. And, um, and there was a song that said, I thought that you would have saved me by now. Remember that, honey? And my wife looked at me one day and said, you know this song? I thought that the Lord would have saved us by now. I'm like, I know, girl. My, my, my pillows soaked for weeping. And I thought that you would have come by now, Lord. See, David did not just go around saying, oh, it's all good. I'm the anointed one. I got faith in God. Because David was about living in the real world. And so many times, we as Christians, we are like spiritualizing stuff. And I am somebody who believes in the power of prayer. I believe that when I speak in Jesus' name, that it will move mountains. I believe that it will heal your body. I believe it will get prayers answered. I believe all that stuff. But it doesn't stop me from telling the truth. Because when I'm in struggle, there are moments that God needs you to pour out, needs me to pour out of my soul what is really happening. Because, because there's a power in the truth. And there's a power in confession of that truth to God. And what's funny is, even those that are really hardcore, speak faith people, know that the way that this, thing whole, this whole thing started for you was a confession of what was really happening so that you could make it right and get it fixed. Because there was a day that you heard a message maybe, or maybe you're listening to, in, to something in the car, or maybe you read your Bible, or, or maybe your grandma put you up on her knee and had a little talk with you. But somewhere in your heart, you realized that there was sin in your heart, that you had done wrong to people, and that God does not like sin. But Jesus came to die for sin so that you could be saved. And you realized that something was wrong, but that God wanted to make it right. Are you following me? And so in your confession of what was wrong, you loose God to make it right. And, and when we come to the Lord as David, as these disciples, and we just Tell God what is really happening. We let the depths of our soul just pour out to him in the trouble that we're having. God could come and change your reality. 
Because that's what happened when I went to an altar one day and I repented of my sins. That's also what happened. If you look at who gets healed in the Gospels, most times Jesus isn't going out going, he's not like, I I, got to use my gift today. I got all this power. I got to get it out. No, he, he was just walking through town and somebody's crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What do you want from me, Bartimaeus? I can't see. And in his confession, he got his answer. We've got to stop being concerned with offending God with the truth. If you've got cancer, does God know you've got cancer? Then don't walk around saying, I don't have cancer. Say, I am struggling with cancer. I am battling it right now. I am having chemotherapy. I am having radiation. All these things are going on, and Lord, are you going to answer? Because the beginning of your healing will come when you confess what is real and what is true. Because Christianity is not some spiritual idea or some philosophy of life. This is not Buddhism. This is not Hinduism. This is Christian living. This is God breaking into life and changing it. We cannot be afraid of our current reality. Sometimes we have to embrace it. Sometimes we have to confess it so that God can come and change it. So confess real life, folks. (laughs) Confess it. And confess it to Jesus. Even if you don't know that's who you're confessing it to. You've got to Deal with the truth so that we can take the next step, which is this. Keep walking until you see your struggle in his story. Keep walking until you see your struggle in his story. When, when, when Jesus shows up with these guys, all that they could do was talk about their pain and their disappointment. Again, they're talking about, hey, Jesus was our good friend and, and we thought he was going to be the Messiah and we had hoped. See, but, but this is the thing. This is the question that maybe you can't answer yet, but that you will. Is what is God trying to do through this struggle? When you read Luke 24, 25 through 27, Jesus says this. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. See, This is the thing I want you to catch. When you're in the place when you are struggling with your faith, when you're in the place when you're in the midst of the trial and you can't even see daylight when it's daytime, when everything around you seems to overwhelm you, I want you to realize that the one thing that brought these people through this trial, these two, is they kept walking with Jesus 
until they understood what they were going through fit into God's story and how he was going to use it to save the world. You see, we, each of us here, they may not be, there may be nobody here writing down the acts of New Life Church. There may be nobody here who, who even remembers what I preach from one Sunday to the next. That's okay, I forgive you now. What matters, what matters, what matters though is that when you go through those things that you keep on walking because you may not understand it now, but you will find that when you get to the other side of the struggle, you will see how it fits in the tapestry of God's story from Genesis to the coming age of his reign in in this earth. There's a moment that you'll come and you'll be able to see, I understand. I understand why I had to go through that. There was a time in my life, folks, when I was battling some stuff. I I went through the hardest, it's such a big part of my life, such a massive moment. I call it the trial because the trial was so big that any other trial that I'll ever go through, I don't think will match that one. There were three things going on simultaneously. All, it seemed like everything, and I'm just a brand new Christian, really. I'm like two years, three years into really knowing Jesus and having the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and three massive things, massive. I, I don't want to talk about them right now. If you want to ask me about them later, you can. But, but massive things are going on. And I remember sitting in our house in Wauwatosa, sitting at, at, at the, uh, the, little, the little bench. We had a little booth in the kitchen. And I'm sitting there, and I literally... I went to the Lord in prayer, and, um, and I took my Bible, and I literally opened it up to Genesis 1-1, and I looked to heaven, and I said, I am lost. Now, I'm, I'm already preaching. I've already traveled to different countries and preached. I've seen hundreds of people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've seen hundreds of people instantly healed miraculously as God moved across congregations. I've already seen lots of cool stuff. And I opened up my Bible, and I looked at heaven, and I said, I'm lost. And if I don't make it, I don't even know what I'll do, because I've bet my life on, on you. But I, if I make it, Lord, I'll make it. Because you came and got me. Because I don't know where I am. Today, I struggled in that trial with what I would call the spirit of Antichrist, where literally um, I had a tormenting devil that would beat me all the time with. And the statement he would say is this There is no God. There is no God. There is no God. And I'd say, I know, what I, I know there's a God. He showed up when I was 10 years old. He showed up when I was 25 and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I've seen God all do all this stuff. I know there's a God. There is no God. I, I, but I've seen him do the miraculous. And I've seen him heal people and get them out of wheelchairs. But there is no God. But I've seen him baptize people in the Spirit. I've seen him do all this stuff. And I battled for years. Not just like a day. Not just a month. For like three years, I'm battling the Spirit. And I didn't understand it. And I'm going, God, where are you? 
When are you going to deliver me? I'm trying to be faithful. Bring me through it. But today, what I will tell you is that when I hear that spirit, because every spirit has a voice. This is spiritual warfare 101 for you. For some of you who don't maybe know this. Every spirit has a voice. They have statements that, that, they, that they try to implant in your mind. And the spirit of Antichrist says there is no God. And I can be anywhere, driving down the street. And if I hear that, I know what's hanging around. There was one time when, when I was sleeping in the car with a friend of mine. And we were driving uh, to, to um, Maryland from Ohio. And literally in my sleep, I heard there is no God. And I sat up. And I looked at my friend, I said, I said, are we near a major government establishment or an institution of higher education, a college? He said, we're about 20 miles outside of D.C. I said, yep. Because this is the thing. In the midst of my darkness, I didn't know why I was going through it. But God made me sensitive to a spirit that is trying to run this country. So that I would know when that thing was showing its ugly head, when it was trying to get into the lives of people, so that I would know how to pray, that I would know how to set them free, that I'd be able to bring people through the struggles I've been through to show them the way through it and bring them the victory that I found in Jesus. You don't know what it is that you are going through, how it's going to affect the church of Jesus Christ. You don't know how it's going to impact the lives of the people sitting next to you right now. But I'm telling you that if you keep walking, you are going to find out. Keep walking. Keep walking with Jesus. Don't allow for the, the, the moments of darkness and the temptations and fears to pull you into a place where you allow for this thing to slip out of your hands. Because this, this is the most precious thing. This thing with Jesus, this will make your life and it'll make your eternity. God doesn't cause your trouble always. I would even say almost never do, does he cause your trouble. I think I've got two examples in scripture where, where God allowed for trouble to be caused so that he could bring better out of it. Jesus is one, Joseph's another. Those are the only two examples I can think of. But God will use the trouble that you've got to take you further and forward. You need to allow for those things to work in you to bring you where you need to go. Because the last thing is this, is you need to let him bring you back to the purpose. This is interesting. When you go to Luke, and I'm not going to read it all, 33 through 35, actually 28 through 35, excuse me, starts talking about how when they near the, the, the city of Emmaus, and they, they're going to go in to where they've been trying to get to all day, right? They walked seven miles. How many know they'd be tired after seven miles, especially in Pennsylvania? I mean, 
my wife, she's, she's training for half marathon. She, she's looks, she says she always looks around and goes, you know, she's always looking for like the smallest hills to run. She, she was talking to a, a kid we, we met recently, a friend of Gabrielle's, and, and he lives in Montoursville. My wife's first comment to him was, I love Montoursville, it's so flat. <laughs> Seven miles a long ways. Some of you feel like you've been through it for a long ways, but, but when they showed up at Emmaus, they're going to go in and they're going to eat, and, and they invite this guy who they don't know who he is, they invite him to come in. Hang out with them, have a little lunch, a little dinner. And this amazing thing happens. And if you go down to verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Jesus goes and reveals himself the way that he spent his last moments with his disciples. On the night before he's betrayed, he he breaks bread and he gives it to them. And he says, this is my body. They have the last supper together. They they celebrate Passover. And and it's interesting that, that these folks come to the realization that this is Jesus when he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. I believe so strongly that it was in their seeing of him do that that they came back to that moment where they, they saw the bread and they saw the wine. They knew it was his body and his, his blood. And they knew why he was going. He was going to not just, not as they were celebrating, not just, not just set people free from slavery in Egypt, but to set people free from slavery to sin. To be able to not just simply celebrate a Passover that happened under Moses, but to be the new Passover. That he would be the new lamb, that, that w- the, the blood was on the doorpost, and you'd be able to get out. It was in that moment that they caught the revelation of who was sitting with them the whole time. And there are people in this room that maybe you've gone through a bunch of stuff. Maybe you have have struggled and fought, but just keep holding on and realize this is the thing. There comes a point when you'll be able to look and realize That it was so that he could take you and give you out to others who need what you have to give. Because there's people across this room, the people that are all through this house right now. You've gone through all these things. You've you've struggled with all this stuff. Some of you, you need to look in the mirror and realize that you're a miracle. That there's no way you should have made it. The statistics were against you. That you should just simply be someone who, who's just another ledger in, in the newspaper about how you were just another statistic. But God somehow walked into your life and brought you through it. And with all that you've struggled and with all that you've gone through, he wants to take you. And he wants to take all the things that have broken you and all the things that have damaged you.
and all the things that have hurt you. And he wants you to take that, and he wants you to give it out to somebody who needs it. Because so many times, so many times, your struggle is the source of their strength. And they're just waiting. Hear me. Some people are just waiting. They don't even believe that they can make it. But they need to hear from you. Because you know what? You start talking to them and they'll, they'll start telling you their story. They'll start confessing where they are. And they'll start saying how they don't know that they can really make it. And you'll come alongside and you say, you know what? I've been there. I struggled in this way. I went through the exact same thing. And guess what? I'm still here. God's still great. And I'm still moving with him. God wants to use you. It's time for us to understand that our wounding becomes our weapon. It's time to stop lamenting our past and start to embrace who we've become because of it. There are people right now in this room you're in different places maybe. maybe. Maybe you're on the front end of this. Maybe you, 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 you've, you need to just confess where you are. I'm telling you right now, there's people in this room right now that if you confess where you are, you confess your struggles, not, not to me, not to somebody else maybe, but to Jesus, God will heal it today. God will heal it today. So some of you maybe just need to, to get the confession part taken care of so that God can come in and heal it. Some of you are in the midst of the trial. You're in the midst of the darkness, and you just need to keep on walking. Today, you just need to grab hold of him and say, Lord, I'm not letting you go. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand anything, but I know this one thing, that you are my king. Some of you need, if you've gone through those things, You've been faithful, you've gone through it, and you, you confessed it, and you've been faithful all the way through. You need to come back to purpose. You need to see the why. You need to see that God wants to use you now. That it's no longer time to just simply sit here with all the things that you've gained. You've got to give it out. So today the band is coming. And we, each of us in this room right now, needs to respond somehow. You don't have to do it all demonstratively. I don't need you to come up here and weep and bawl. If that happens, cool. Let Jesus do it. Because a lot of times, how many of you know when, when Jesus comes and heals, sometimes there's an emotional response. Something about your soul getting set free that, that sometimes you, you just let out. And that's Okay. You know, I've snotted and bawled at the altar before too. We, we won't think you're weird. But however you need to respond, if it's just making a commitment to, Lord, I'm going to walk with you through this. Or if it's just simply coming back after all the stuff and after all that God's built in you to come and say, I will now use this. This struggle, this pain, this fear, this heaviness that's been over me, I now am going to use it, Lord, to give others life.
What are you going to do? Because you need to respond. So right now, the band's going to sing. I want you to worship. But you need to make a commitment. Somewhere along the line, this impacts you. You need to respond and allow God to move. I do want my elders and my ministers to come up to be available for prayer. You don't have to go to here. Understand this. You don't have to go to them. They're there to help you. They're not here to control the altar. They're here to help you pray and to break you through things. That's our job as ministers. If you want to go pray in the corner by yourself, you go right ahead. But you need right now to respond to Jesus. Let me pray for us quick. Father, I I pray right now and I part the seas of our pride. I I pray, Lord God, that you set us free from the opinion of the person sitting next to us or in the other row or whatever, that we just simply, that what matters to us right now is you and what we need to do right now to step forward in you. I pray that you give us a boldness to step into your purposes for us today and loose, Lord God, healing and ministry in this house and let your spirit just reign here and bring the transformation that you died to give us, Jesus, because that is why you went there and that's why you came this morning. Hear the cry of your people. Answer their call. Heal them in Jesus' name. Amen.